Are you looking for more ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military, but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes. Welcome to episode 52 of the Headspace and Timing podcast, a show brought to you by the Change Your POV podcast network. Today's guest, Marjorie Morrison from the Psych Armor Institute, talks about the need for mental health professionals who work with veterans to have the training to support veterans who are seeking mental health counseling. It is so hard to ask for help. It just is one of the hardest things that we'll ever do in our lives. And it doesn't matter how many times you've done it, it's still hard. That when you finally get in that door, if it is not good, you don't have a good experience, it's not effective, most likely that patient, client, consumer, whatever you want to call it, is not going to come back. And you probably have stopped them from ever getting mental health treatment again. Or if, you, if they go, it's that much harder. Welcome to the Change Your POV Podcast Network. You're listening to Headspace and Timing, a show dedicated to breaking down the stereotypes about veteran mental health. My name's Dwayne France, and I'm a combat veteran of both Iraq and Afghanistan. After I retired from the Army, I took on a new mission as a clinical mental health counselor for my fellow service members. If you served in any branch of the military, you're familiar with the M2 machine gun, the 50 cal. It's one of the most effective weapons in the military's arsenal. If the weapon's headspace and timing wasn't set right, however, it was just a huge useless chunk of metal. Veterans can be rendered inoperable if their headspace and timing isn't set correctly either. That's my goal with this show, to change the way that we think and talk about veteran mental health and reduce the stigma against seeking support. Each week, we'll talk with mental health professionals, veterans, and those who support veterans, service members, and their families. We're going to have real and honest conversations about a topic that most just don't like to talk about, veteran mental health. Let's jump into this week's conversation. Hey folks, welcome back to the Headspace and Timing podcast, a show where we're trying to change the way that you think and talk about veteran mental health. Uh, this time, and as always, we really appreciate you taking the time uh, to listen to us to learn more about veteran mental health and, uh, and how you can actually be part of the conversation that makes a difference uh, for our nation's service members. So uh, I, I really would uh, uh, like to um, welcome today our guest, uh, somebody that, uh, that, that I've been following for quite a while. I think the organization is doing some very great things. Uh, and, and I'm glad to be able to have Marjorie Morrison on the show to talk about Psych Armor and, uh, and what it is and sort of what it does. So, uh, Marjorie, welcome to the show. Well, thanks so much for having me. Thanks, Dwayne. Yeah, I, I really appreciate, again, uh, you taking your time out of your busy, busy schedule. Uh, and it's, I, I think it's, it's a good problem for you to have to be so busy. Um, and, uh, and also can, can lead to a lot of, uh, complicated life 
situations. But before we get into that, um, if you would maybe tell the audience a little bit about yourself and, uh, and your background. Sure. Um, I'm a clinician by trade. So I'm a licensed marriage family therapist and a licensed professional clinical counselor. I'm also a school psychologist. And I spent um, about 15 years in private practice before I ever got into the military space at all. But, you know, if you're in San Diego and you are in the mental health field, you're going to come across either veterans or active duty service members. So I was a military one-source provider. I was a TRICARE provider, but I had no background, no understanding of military culture. I didn't even know I needed to know such a thing. Uh, I was looking back on it, I was probably a very bad clinician, um, just because I didn't understand kind of the nuances. And then I got an opportunity to work on base at MCRD, which is boot camp for the Marine Corps. So I spent a year there. And by kind of default, I ended up, uh, I say it because I don't know that it was my big idea, but I was sort of just there and I was a conduit. But um, I wrote mandatory counseling. So I put all of the drill instructors through mandatory counseling there. Um, Every six weeks, they saw me either in individual or in group, um, and over 500 of them. And I really, at the end of that year, just, A, I fell in love with the military and the culture, and I just, I never grew up with any of it. I didn't, my dad was a doctor in the draft, but it wasn't, it was before I was born, and it really wasn't kind of part of our family narrative. Um, and I just, I loved it, but I also became pretty passionate about how you, how we need to be more proactive with this space and, and how we need to, um kind of get to people before problems become so big. Uh, that was kind of what mandatory counseling did. So it was really cool. And then I got an opportunity to go to Camp Pendleton. And uh, this is my background story, but uh, the, the general there gave me 1,600 Marines to get to know and to see if the same model that we did for drill instructors would work for infantry. So I feel very fortunate um, as a civilian, the opportunities I've had. And at the end of that, we really weren't able to get funding to build that program, but what came out of it was this lack of training for people um, like myself that were clinicians. And without having to physically go somewhere or spend money or give up time, I really uh, wanted to create a place that would be like an online library that people could go for free, get free continuing education, and learn how to treat, effectively treat the population. Yeah, see, and, and that's, uh, that is a very um it's an interesting background, and it's a different way that you came towards better mental health. Um, uh, obviously, I'm coming at from coming at it from a different direction, uh, having uh, been a, a tw- I wasn't in mental health in my army career, uh, and so after I retired in the army, I approached um, I approached mental health with the lived experience, and so uh, I'm a native culturist, I guess, um, of military <laughs> culture in which I, I gained the clinical training, uh, and this is something that I say often, there's simply not enough of us um, uh, military veterans, much less combat veterans of the current era, in the clinical mental health counseling field to be able to do that. And so uh, I recognize it um, a need for that uh, cultural competence uh, in, in our profession. I am interested, though, how the mandatory counseling was initially received by Marine Corps drill instructors. Um, <laughs> I can't imagine there wasn't much resistance there. You know what? It really was great because I, it was it was such a fantastic program, and there's pieces of it that have played out still within the Marine Corps, but it was not it was not actually um, resisted when every single solitary person did it. And they did from the general down, everyone went through it. And for us, it was, 
um, you know, that was the lift. It was the battalion commander would do it, and then, you know, the battalion sergeant major, and then all the different companies. And so we did it during the beginning of their training cycle, uh, or about the new, you know, boot camp cycle. And it was very much about 15, 20 minutes. People could come in and talk about whatever they wanted to talk about. But what it really did was it removed the stigma of kind of what mental health is. There are so many people that assume what it would be like to go to a therapist, but they don't know. And then when you sit down with someone who's just kind of normal and you just have normal conversations and you just connect and, and you talk about whatever you feel like talking about, it removes this, this that barrier of, oh, my gosh, what is it going to be like? And are they going to do something to my brain? And are they going to know that I'm not really normal? You know, everyone has the same fears, really. So I think at a very sort of high level, it, it, it removes all of that. And then a little bit more of a deeper level, it was an opportunity for me to be a warm handoff into something else that they might need, whether it was marriage counseling or financial counseling or, you know, some more in-depth counseling that I could make that referral. But I was really sort of that first touch point. So I did not have a lot of resistance, as you might think. Yeah. And I think that uh, in, in seeing in that way, you know, um, you know, marching the entire uh, squadron up and, and, you know, fall out and file from the right and everybody does it. But then you know that everybody does it. That's one of the things that I've seen um, over the, the, the um, both in my private practice, but also in some of the discussions with veterans is veterans um, need permission from other veterans before they can seek mental health. Not permission as in, you know, I allow you to do this, but saying it's, it's okay for you to do this. Um, right. that, that, you know, it, it doesn't hurt and it doesn't sting and they're not shrinks. And, and so it's, it's interesting to me that we veterans can, um, be as, uh, you know, we can jump out of airplanes and, and go into submarines and do all of these very highly dangerous things without a lot of hesitation, even going into the unknown, but when the unknown of the mental health professional's office, we balk at that door. We'll kick down a door in Iraq all day long, but we won't come into a door of a mental health professional. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's a fear of the unknown, you know, and I, and I understand, I understand some of that, you know, those are kind of very real concerns. And, and part of it is that the field of mental health has some problems. It's not perfect. So a lot of times people will go get mental health treatment and it doesn't work for them. Um, and that's something else that, you know, we're working on right now, which is bringing evidence-based interventions to, to people that need it. So, for example, like right now, if you went in because you were having a lot of anxiety, you might go to a therapist. You might end up, because you don't know any different, because most, uh, most of us don't know the difference, with somebody who's really a grief specialist who wants to just sit and talk about your anxiety at nauseum. Well, guess what? That doesn't actually work. When it comes to certain, you know, all these different symptoms, there are evidence-based interventions that work, and we need to do a better job at matching consumers of mental health, I don't really like to call them patients, with providers that are using the interventions. So part of the fear, by the way, it isn't just veterans that have the fear of going to mental health. It's everybody for the most part, right? right. It's, 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 it's very, it's very the same. You know, I actually went to the dentist this morning and I was sitting there as they're pulling and prodding and poking. And I thought to myself, wow, this is why people don't like to go to the dentist. You know, it's like that, that same, you know, kind of a concept. So I think part of it is the field needs to get better. The field needs to give people, you would, if you went, if you had a knee problem, you wouldn't be afraid to go to the orthopedics. You might be afraid that you might have to have surgery, but at least you know, you're going to a doctor that's going to treat 
your knee and be able to diagnose it and, and come up with a treatment plan. We don't really always have that in the mental health space. No, that's true. And and to carry that metaphor uh, even a little farther, um, if I do have uh, a problem with my knee, um, if I blew my knee out jumping out of an airplane versus I blew my knee out playing soccer, I could go to that same orthopedist because a knee is a knee is a knee. Uh, you know, an injury right. is, is that. That's not the same, especially when it comes to veteran mental health in general, as you, you said, anxiety is not grief, moral injury is not PTSD, but the cultural aspect of understanding the unique nature of military service takes a different level of, of understanding on the part of the provider. Yes, for sure. I just want you to know we're working on that. Right. I mean, <laughs> we're going to be talking about psych armor, but, um, you know, I, we have started a, a new company called Psych Hub, and my co-founder is Patrick Kennedy. Patrick Kennedy and I have, have started this new company, and that's exactly what we're doing, is we're building out over 50 evidence-based trainings for behavioral health care providers, and we're actually certifying them and putting them in a registry. So we are busy, busy working away on that, but I'm very pa- we're both very passionate about it because it is a need. It's a missing piece in our mental health, kind of e- the whole ecosystem, and um, both the providers and the consumers want it, and the payers want it. They want, they want to send their members to um, providers that are trained specifically in the areas that those you know, members are having uh, issues with. Because if it's sleep, Dwayne, you and I both know, like if you're having issues with sleeping, that can cause a whole host of problems. It's the and sometimes half the battle is just getting you back to sleep. So there are specific interventions that help people sleep. And you could talk about how you can't sleep all day long. It's not probably going to help you get to sleep. Right. And, and those are the kind of things that it would take some awareness on the part of the mental health professional um, to be able to say, you know, I do need this extra, you know, uh, uh, understanding, this extra training. Um, and, and so I don't wonder if there's not, uh, you know, again, in our profession, and, and I've said and I've written about it before, we have a PR problem. In our profession, yeah. um, we're trying yeah. to sell something uh, that we know works. Um, you know, it's 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 like uh, trying to. Well, I hate to be crude, but I haven't figured out any other way to say it. It's like trying to sell Preparation H. We we right. know we need it. We don't right. want to talk about why we need it. We don't want to talk about what we do with it. Viagra. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I, well, but see, you know, there's Viagra. You know, commercials all the time. That's you know, that's okay, but. <laughs> But that's right. the. But there's how do we we know what we do works, especially us mental health professionals who use evidence based practices, who are culturally competent, especially in this uh, in the veteran population. We know it works, but yet there's a challenge in in having the veteran, um, you know, access those services. Um, I'm, I'm sure that you've seen the uh, the congressionally mandated report from the National Academy of Sciences that just came out. Uh, in, in January um, that showed that uh, 50% of veterans who need mental health don't access it because they yeah, don't think they could, need it, yeah. right? They, right? They don't believe that, that, that it is an issue for them, um, and overcoming that uh, is a challenge. And so helping mental health professionals learn how to overcome that, um, it's, it, it is a challenge, and it's something, like you said, that Psych Armor is really trying to do. Yes. I mean, we, 
like we're on, we're in an interesting point in Psych Armor where we kind of enter into the landscape. Um, you know, Psych Armor, I was given a million dollar seed grant to start it in the healthcare space. So we started out building courses for healthcare providers, um, primarily, obviously, behavioral healthcare providers. So we, we have, I think, over 30 courses for healthcare providers, all the way from basic, like understanding what is MST, military sexual trauma, or t- a whole series on TBI and PTSD, and kind of some of the compassion fatigue, moral injury, some of the kind of basic ones. But then we also have um, 16 hours of cognitive processing therapy and 16 hours of prolonged exposure. You get free continuing education, we're PhD, master's level, MD, all certified to give the free CEs. And so we actually can give providers new tools. That was the impetus of the new company, actually, because it was shocking to find you could give people new tools in their toolbox and that the veterans were actually doing considerably better once they um, had a treatment from a provider that was doing an evidence-based intervention. But yes, Psych Armor now, we have courses, we train employers, we train lawyers and volunteers, and we have courses for all these other touch points. Um, but really, it's all the same piece. It's, it's like, how do you support this veteran after they've, you know, transitioned? And, you know, we kind of look at it like America is their, the, the civilian America is their safety net. And right now that net has a lot of holes in it where their neighbors, their, their, you know, employers, the volunteers, their healthcare providers and all that. And with 1% of our country serving, we hear it all the time, you know, 10% military connected, there's 90% of Americans just don't understand. So I think Psych Armor comes in to fill that void, which is this free library of courses, very highly engaging courses, right? We get the best in class content that we can. We have great relationships with the government. We get their content. We have um, uh, close to 40 employees here that make it very engaging. We have a film studio. We do all this fun stuff to it to make it so that you're not bored watching it. And we don't expect everybody to take 150 courses. It's really library. It's there for you to take what you want when you need it. Um, and so far we found it's really working. So now we're moving into the veteran space. We're doing courses for transition service members and working with the TAPS program. And then we'll start to build out some series of courses for veterans themselves. So I'm beginning to see some parallels here, uh, Marjorie, in which uh, you took an entire Marine expeditionary unit and marched them up to the therapist's office, say, sit down and listen. Now you're trying to do that to America. <laughs> I would say that that's the big that's the big range plan. I mean, actually, when people say to me, you know, oh, you know, what are your what is your vision for Psych Armor? What you must be so proud of where it's at? And I always feel like, no, I don't think I'll feel proud until every American knows whatever it might be. I mean, everything from there's a homeless person to like. I think I, I just really believe we all believe here that all Americans can serve our country, and if you don't serve in uniform, you can serve by serving those that did. And so everyone can do something, whether it's your 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 neighbor or your hairdresser or your account you're an accountant or everybody can in whatever it is that they do in their day life, help a veteran and support a veteran. And a lot of them don't even need help, but but it's it's their civil duty to be able to make sure that they are supporting them in any kind of way or capacity that they might need it. And I think that, uh, in, and there is a sense where everybody says, yes, I, I love a veteran. I, I want to do that in, in the idea of, uh, to support that. Uh, and especially in, in locations like San Diego, which is such a big military town or San Antonio, 
uh, Norfolk, Virginia, for example, and especially here in Colorado Springs, uh, where I'm at, where uh, we have the, the only county in America that has five military bases within its geographic boundaries. Huge wow. military population. So, you know, here it's it's sort of like you can't swing a rock without, like you said earlier, running into uh, somebody with some type of affiliation with the military. But then you get to other um, uh, places that don't have a high military presence and there's not that saturation. And so that which what that which we're not familiar with, we're not comfortable with. And and that's more of that unknown, the community having the unknown. And that's this the, the civilian divide, uh, civilian military divide that we talk about. Um, and, and again, what Psych Armor is trying to do is just laying the, the buffet out on the table and saying there's no, read for you, there's no need for you to be hungry. You can come and you can understand this uh, because everybody right. loves a veteran until they have one sitting next to them or working or working with them or sitting across the interview table from them. Yeah, I mean, we have found so much, too, that people don't, they want to help and they don't know what to do. And it's, it's crazy. There's so much stuff out there. And that's why I applaud you for what you're doing, you know, just even with the podcast. It's just, it's confusing. It's confusing for people to know where to go and what to do. And, you know, we have such a small piece in this and we do online education in the, you know, and, and, and we have our, most of our courses are 10 to 15 minutes. We're coming out with some two and three minute ones, kind of real micro learning, but we're just taking other people's good stuff and sharing it. But there's all these other people that do, you know, the actual treatment and, and the actual, you know, services and the wraparound services. We're hundred percent only in the, the, you know, the education portion of it, but it takes the whole village and, People need to know what's their first step. I don't know if, if you know this, Dwayne. Our most popular course is called 15 Things Veterans Want You to Know. And it's a 15-minute course. And it is the top. We did a whole, um, you know, military culture is one of these funny things because it, it's like, what does that really mean? And we, we kind of thought, well, maybe, you know, it means that you know that there's a difference between officer and enlisted and that there's the differences of all the branches and all these things that we, we would say, this is what I would have wanted to know, or this is, you know, military culture, or, or to be honest with you, it's historically, what has military culture been? Any kind of you Google military culture 101, you know, you're going to get this sort of stars and bars type of thing. And so we challenged it here in the office, and we thought, you know, I don't know if that's actually what people need to know, but how do we, how do we know what they need to know? So we did about two years ago a pretty large social media campaign and, and asked all active duty, veterans, guard and reserve, you know, what's, been, what it, what's one thing you would want a civilian to know? And we were hoping to get 10. We were hoping to get, that 10 things would bubble up to the top, and we actually got 15. But um, it is by far our most pop- popular course. I think we've had over 200,000 people take it already. Um, and it is not at all what we would think, you know, military culture is. It, you know, our number one thing is we're not all soldiers. And I say we as well, so I'm on, you know, and it's like, you don't need to know the difference of the Navy and the Air Force. You don't need to know the difference of, you know, the Army and the Marines. You just need to know that they're different and, and that, you know, don't call, if you call everyone a soldier and you're a Marine, they know you don't know what you're talking about, you know? So it just, it was more of these little things that, that bubbled to the top. So we really like that course and, and, um, 
I do feel like that at a minimum for the Americans to just do one thing. If you know those 15 things, we even suggest, I think, three or four questions in that course. You can have a conversation with the veteran that is so much more meaningful than saying thank you for your service, you know, just by, you know, knowing those key points. Right. And, uh, and I, I have seen, um, that, uh, that course again, in, 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 it, it, it does get circuit because especially with veterans, uh, I, I've found again, both in my clinical practice and in my discussion, uh, both on the blog and the podcast, veterans want to tell their story while at the same time, they don't know how to tell their story or they're not comfortable telling their story. So there's this paradox uh, that they have that that I both want to tell you and you're not going to drag it out of me, but then I see veterans sharing that saying, "Hey, this is you know this is what I would like you to know." And so it's a very safe way for veterans to be able to communicate to people um, how to do that. And so I'll, I'll make sure that the link to that is in the show notes. And and to really concur with that, one of um, one of the the most popular. And it's a series that I had. It was actually eight things that a veteran wants a mental health professional to know. And then eight things a mental health professional wants a veteran to know about therapy. And so it was uh, it was a, a two um, a two blog post series. And then I actually did a two podcast series on it. And you're right. People want to understand that people want to know that they just don't know how to find it. They don't they don't know that it's out there. Did you find it right. challenging to, to maybe get the word out about Psych Armor in the beginning? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's amazing that we've grown so much in three years. I think we still struggle with it a little bit. We have, um, we, and I'm not going to even pretend that we have it all figured out, but what we're doing, which seems to work well, is we have a free partnership program. So we set up companies and organizations and hospitals and, and health clinics and stuff, and they it's all free. They get their own URL link, a custom link. They get their logo on the top. They pick whatever Psych Armor courses they want. They have admin access. We have a, um, a team now of partnership liaison, so they get assigned a partnership rep on our team, and they reach out to them monthly and say, you know, what else do you need and what courses and what marketing materials? So we, I kind of joke that we do like multi-level marketing, you know, but it's all free. But, is, but that's right. what's working for us is that we push out this stuff to big national groups or big regional groups, and then they're pushing it out. So we aren't really in the business of reaching individual learners one-on-one, but we're, we're doing it more through these kind of bigger, you know, these partnerships. So that's what's been working so far. You know, it's always the challenge, but. And, and I think that in, 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 you've said it several times, um, but it, it is, um, it's worth noting again, this is all free. There's, there's no cost associated with taking any of these courses. It really is free. And, you know, not only is it free, and I think we, we stand so true to this, we don't ever go back to our learners and ask them for money. So, I, and I think sometimes people just have, 92% of our learners that take a course come back for a second course. And I think it's a metric worth noting because I think people in the beginning were also suspect, you know, it's like, ah, but we, and, and we are a nonprofit. We are very mission focused. We get our funding from our corporate and, and foundation um, funders. So for example, all of the healthcare provider courses are funded by TriWest. 
So as a mental health provider, if you take a course, it will say, this course is brought to you by TriWest. We'd like to thank TriWest for their generosity. And then there's the course. Uh, USAA funds all of our caregiver courses. Comcast NBC Universal does our employer. The Bob Woodrow Foundation does all of our volunteer um, courses. We're also doing a a bunch of courses in communities. We have um, courses, the Schultz Family Foundation, Howard Schultz, the CEO of Starbucks, they're doing all of our transition courses. So we we have these sponsors that come in and, and help fund these courses, and then they really are they really are free, and all of the resources and everything that we do are free. So and and I can um, again vouch for um, uh, for Psych Armor in general. I, I've uh, presented uh, both nationally and regionally about uh, cultural competence. Um, and, and really uh, trying to explain that veterans are looking to talk about and learn about mental health, um, but it's there's not only is there a gulf between uh, those who have served and those who haven't, but there's a gulf between veterans and the mental health professionals who, who want to serve them and, and, and help them. Uh, and so where I'm trying to step into that gap, and, and I've always used Psych Armor uh, as an example of a location where clinicians or anyone can go and, um, and, and access these resources. Uh, and so I've been doing that um, as I've been presenting over these last couple years. Uh, and then also, and you Thank mentioned you. The, the, the liaison piece, um, I'm, uh, I'm on uh, the board of advisors for uh, the Objective Zero app uh, and sort of help them gather um, sort of what I felt a peer support specialist would need to know about veteran mental health, um, and and I went directly to Psych Armor and 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 through one of your um, your liaisons, kind of set up this list of I, I think these are the things that that you should really do, um, and that anybody before they, because when we talk about suicide prevention, when we talk about I want to help a veteran, we can do more harm than good if we're not informed, right? That's right, right. Wow. Well, you know, if you're looking for a job, <laughs> we might need to hire you. <laughs> no, that's, I really, we really appreciate that, that, um, that you're, that you're out there and, and, and advocating our stuff. You know, it, in a certain sense, it's easy to run a nonprofit that it, well, the work we do is very tangible. You know, we, we had someone in here this morning that we were, um, filming and they said, you know, there's so many, there's, what do they say, 40,000 nonprofits that support veterans and a lot of them are doing great work. It's just sometimes hard to figure out what is it that they're really doing. I think for us, when you go on our site and you see, oh, you, you can really get a sense of what, what it is that we do. And um, so I, I do appreciate that you, that you push it out. And I think that organization has just recently won as one of our top partners that's taken the most courses, right? So um, so congratulations on that. Cause I think it's, it's, it's working. Um, but yeah, so we, we, we have a fun job and we get to be in a space that, and there's not a lot of folks, we get to work so closely with the government. I mean, we just really do. We work with the VA and department of defense and department of labor and HHS and now department of education and department of treasury and these different groups within the government that um, we work with them, we get content from them, we build courses, they share the courses, we share the courses. So really, um, really has been a good model. And so in, in you, you said you started this out of uh, your own experience that, you know, um, uh, I, I was looking for something and I didn't find it. Um, and so I created it. 
um, <laughs> in, in or or you know and really put it together. Um, and you mentioned earlier what is your ultimate vision, but 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 what do you think makes Psych Armor unique again amongst some of the other veteran nonprofits um, that's making it so successful? No, I think we just part of it is that we we play in the sandbox with everybody. Like we're very clear with our lane. Um, there's a lot of what you know. I'm sure you've kind of heard this. It's, they call it mission creep, where you get a nonprofit and then they find oh someone's giving a grant in this and we could do that and then oh there's a grant over here for them we could so they end up kind of all over the place. We never did that. We we kind of came in and and said. We're going to create a, a library of online courses that are going to be on demand 24-7 for people. Because, listen, I, I always joke when I say this, but it is true. People don't wake up and think, average Americans, hey, today is the day I'm going to learn about veterans. I mean, it's not until you need the information that you think about, oh, boy, i got to figure this one out. So, I mean, we really wanted to have this where, and people get bored and they don't have attention spans, and we didn't want it to be a check in the box. You know, part of the issue with continuing education which is another one of my soapboxes, is that it's still very, it's so antiquated that it's done based on time blocks. So you have one hour and you force people to sit in this painful thing for an hour. Well, the truth is you, most of the time you can get that information if you do it really, really well, which I believe our organization does in 10 minutes. But then you can't get the CE, but you can give the information. You know, So it, it did. It started out as this desire to give people this library where they could go get the information they need. And I, I really modeled it after what I would have wanted as a clinician. I did not expect us to move into all these different verticals. Um, but, you know, the demand signal kept coming. And, again, I think why we've been successful is, is that we just really do one thing. We build online courses with a clinical lens. So we have a whole clinical team. We have two full-time PhDs, a number of social workers, and, and uh, master's level clinicians. Every one of our courses is trauma-informed. It's done with a clinical lens. It's, we put developers side-by-side -side with clinicians so that, you know, we make sure that we're hitting the mark. Even if it's a basic employer course, like how to decode a veteran resume, we always make sure that the veteran is represented in the best way. And so that's just our sweet spot. And, I, and then we have over 150 advisors. So all of these different verticals that we're in has a team of probably 15 national subject matter experts that help us in that area figure out what are the courses that are needed, you know, what are the holes, who should be the subject matter expert. They help us with the very extensive QA process that we go through before we make a course live, and then they help us with dissemination. So that also, it's so all-encompassing that I, I just don't think there's, there's no other organization like it. Right. And I mean, and, and this is where things are, I think we're now emerging um, in into the veteran nonprofit space um, where people really are starting to try to look at, OK, what what is not being answered um, in, in some of the, the larger organizations, of course, like Team Rubicon. Um, it, it do have a very specific focus. Team Rubicon is not doing what Mission Continue is doing. Um, you know, they're, they're really focusing down and they're not trying to be all things to all people uh, because uh, no one agency, uh, no one organization is going to be able to do all of it. Um, and and I, I see PsychArmor as, as more of a networked nonprofit than a nonprofit that, that is self-contained and has walls. Yeah, there you go. 
I mean, I always say, we say we're like an online platform. Um, but you know, what's funny. It's like, I was just reading, someone sent me something a couple weeks ago. I think it was either in USA Today or the New York Times and they, it was about nonprofits. And it said that, now I don't remember where I, where it came from, but it was that a really good nonprofit is doing something that a, that could be a for-profit entity, that could be a commercial entity, but because they're mission-focused, they do it as a nonprofit, as opposed to sort of just this kind of feel-good, we go out and we do parades, or, you know, or even if they do parades, that there could be a commercial entity that sets up parades and puts them on, or you know, you know what I'm trying to say. And I feel like we fall in that category, right, because we clearly have a business that could run as a commercial business, um, but we don't. We're mission-focused. More money does not make us better, but impact does. We put tremendous amount of time, energy, and resources in building courses. And besides some technical support and clinical support that we offer, it wouldn't matter if 10 people saw it or a million people saw it. The, the, our cost is pretty much the same. So for us, we don't look at, oh, how much revenue do you bring in or how much money do you raise as whether or not we're – which, believe me, in this nonprofit space, people will say that. What's your annual budget? Like, that's how I know how successful you are. It's like, for us, we want people to ask, you know, what's your impact? Like, how many people have taken your courses? You know, for, you know, like I said, 97% of people that have taken our courses would recommend them to someone else. 92% come back for a second course, and the average person has taken three courses. So those are the things we care about, and that we're growing at it's such a, I don't even have a statistic, because the, the stats I saw today were different than last week. That's how fast we're growing, you know, and we're just starting to focus on marketing and outreach. So, um I I feel proud of the organization, but you know we're not doing what the hard work that other people do, which is feeding homeless and getting people jobs, and you know we're not we're just we just got the courses. We're just disseminating. We just disseminate information. Well, and and that's something that you know, and I'm, somebody's and I'm going to tell you, and people tell me, you know, don't sell yourself short. I mean, and and obviously. You know, what you're doing is critical work, but as you well know, as a practicing clinician is, um, you know, change doesn't come without awareness. Uh, and, 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 uh, and there's not enough awareness in the, the veteran space um, that mental health is an aspect that needs to be understood. There's, you know, we're not aware of why we think and feel the, the way that we do. Again, going back to your very personal experience of um, if I get this senior drill instructor in here and he just needs to chat for 15 or 20 minutes, then, then that's okay. I get the next one who comes in and through our discussion, he becomes aware of there are some things that I might need to address and I go farther. And so you are generating awareness in the community that there's a necessity of veteran mental health. Uh, and, and then once that awareness comes, then the veteran or the, the caregiver or the employer is able to say, I see this, now I know what I can do and help you provide those resources. And I think that's what's missing is the awareness in our profession as a mental health professional, um, developing the awareness in the community that this is not some horrible Freudian on the couch talking about your mother for two years. Um, right. And, and, right. And so you're an awareness developing organization um, that's getting veterans into um, the, the, the office of the people that can really help them. That, that's, 
that's how we that is how we feel. And we're we were so reluctant to get into the veteran training piece. You know, we just I kind of came at this where there's forty thousand nonprofit. You know, Dwayne, how this thing goes, right? You know how it goes. It's like, what's the one thing you don't want to do? I was very clear. I did not want to run a nonprofit. I was like, that's, right. <laughs> and that was that a, was the <laughs> my my first job out of uh, out of the army, um, and, and I worked for a great small organization. Uh, that it was a nonprofit, and, and it was a nonprofit for housing homeless veterans. And the one thing we could do everything for them, but the one thing we couldn't do was get the mental health counseling, which is as I finished my degree and I transitioned from service uh, from homeless provider to a a, um, a private counseling agency. And I resisted. I, I I literally resisted building a nonprofit until someone came and said, um, you know, we want to provide you this money, but we can't give it to you unless you're a nonprofit. Um, but, but for a year and a half, I avoided making a nonprofit because again, who needs another nonprofit like a hole in the head? But in, in my town, there was not a nonprofit that provided mental health counseling for veterans that could not access it otherwise in the nation. Oh, yes. Right. Yeah, no, and I mean I absolutely believe in it it's so much and it's just it's it's hard and especially on the local and regional levels. I mean, you know, needs are just different. You know, your needs in Colorado Springs are different than like I was on a call earlier today in um um South Dakota and they have really specific needs in South Dakota, North Dakota and yes. Iowa that like Rural you know, veterans, I I yeah. yeah. And I, I'm going to be in North Carolina next week, and they, you know, they have different needs. And so there's just, they're, you know, the, to your point, the local and regional stuff is different. And you know what? And, and, and at the end of the day, if you touch a life, you touch a life. And not everybody can touch everybody. And so there's, it's a beautiful thing that different people care enough and are altruistic enough to set up nonprofits. I think the hard part is, is the people that are donating, right, to the to the, those that are, are, it's hard to know who do I give to, you know? And so um, I think that's a little bit more. And again, we're not in that, we're not in that, that fight because we have a different funding model um, with our courses being sponsored. But with a lot of my colleagues and friends who are doing great work in their nonprofits, it's hard because they'll say, well, we do this, but now there's this group popped up that did it and this group, you know? And so I think it's just, it's tough. But at the end of the day, it says a lot about our country is that people care and they want to help, and they want to do the right thing, and they want. And, at, and then at the end of the day, people still need help. And um, I don't know. My thing is always like a, like I talked about, that the help isn't really quite good enough. And I'm one of those people, right? I mean, I look back and I think, God, I was a terrible clinician. I didn't know. I mean, I went to grad school so long ago, Dwayne, I didn't know about all these latest, greatest evidence-based interventions. I didn't. I mean, and, and how would I know? And, and how would I go? I mean, you'd have to work so hard to figure out where to go to learn different things. And so, I mean, A, I just didn't have the tools. I would have loved to have them because, as you know, people come in and they have a whole variety of issues. And you basically have to treat them all with whatever you have. Um, so I, I, I think part of it is that the help needs to get better. And then, you know, the other piece of it, to your point, is that the PR piece of it, it's like what what is we are building a whole bunch of consumer-facing videos to explain, like, this is what treatment's going to look like. This is how it's going to go. You're going to go in for cognitive behavioral therapy for 
they make it up for insomnia, you know, or for sleep disorders. You're going to go for six sessions and you're going to know after three if it's not, I mean, like we're going to start educating people on what to expect in the hopes that that helps destigmatize things. And and that's what I really like about Psychomer. And this is something that I've been, been saying um, to colleagues and, and, and often uh, in the community when I speak is that, um, we can we can convince a veteran to come knock on a door, but when the veteran comes to knock on the door, we have to be prepared to answer the door as well, right? You know, and and, and of course uh, the the struggles uh, with the national uh, hotline uh, a while back that that seems to have been corrected, but we we're we're trying to get veterans, you know, reach out for help, reach out for help, reach out for help, but then Psych Armor is now turning towards the providers and saying, okay, you've got a crowd coming here. You know, the uh, the harvest is plenty and the workers are few. You really need to um, understand what's going to be coming your way. And I, and I like how Psych Armor is, is being that bridge to both veterans and, and caregivers in the community, but also to the providers that are serving them. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun, it's a fun, it's a fun place to be, you know, and then plus we get to learn all, I mean, I personally am not the one, but we have a whole team that gets all of the content and there's some really cool stuff that's going on right now. And, you know, and people give the VA a bad rap all the time, but I'll tell you some of the smartest people I've ever met are working in the VA and researchers and folks from all corners of the earth, uh, of the earth, of the country. And just the average person or clinic or clinician really doesn't ever get that information. And so I love that we could say to them, you know, we need the latest, greatest, best information, let's say, on um, military sexual trauma. And they could say, oh, we've got a team up in Maine, I'm making this up, but that, that are working on it. And we have MOAs with the government where we can take that content and put it out there. So I love, too, that we get to find all this cool stuff that's going on um, and research and then be able to share that. You know, someone recently said to me, like, Psych Armor is in the translation business. You take, like, the good work of the government that nobody ever knows about and that is so boring and stale, and we bring it to life and share it with everybody. And, and again, and that goes back to the, the PR or the development or, or things like that. Um, and, uh, and, and the military does that with technology. There are organizations in which they take military tech and, and provide it for uh, civilian use. Uh, you know, think of a Hummer H2 driving down the highway, right? You know, right, but, right, but, right. But then there's the, the idea of I absolutely do, do believe, and I agree with you, um, that uh, uh, the VA, I often say the VA is the pair of skis we're, we're sliding down this mountain on, especially with veterans, um, and, 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 um, and that we acknowledge that there are some very, very great um, uh, clinicians and some, some excellent research just because they are specializing in veterans so much. Uh, but it sounds like you, like me, um, I often say, I like working with the VA, but maybe not so much working for the VA. <laughs> I have never worked for the VA, but they have been great partners for us. On um, uh, we work with so many different groups within the VA. You know, we've got caregiver and suicide prevention and mental health and the National Center for PTSD and coaching into care and homeless and palliative care and oh my gosh, we work with so many different groups and um, some of their so many of their center for excellences and. It's, uh, they've got great stuff going on. And, you know, it's a big, giant bureaucracy. 
So it's it's sometimes it's um, it's hard to separate, but we need to separate the people from the institution. And, you know, some of the stuff that's been, you know, if you just think about the growth the VA has had, you know, I mean, some of it is almost just this unrealistic expectation. You know, back in the day, it was, let's just get veterans to start using the VA. And now it's like, well, we're all showing up and, you know, the VA isn't giving us what we need. And, you know, and I think they're in their own kind of soul searching of what is, what is, what should we be doing? And, how much of it should be in our sweet spot and how much should we be, you know, bringing downtown, you know, to the, out to the community work, like the new, um, or like the VA choice program or the Karen community or the new version of that. So I think that they're working on their own kind of struggles of what that looks like. And maybe the solution somewhere in the middle is the VA can kind of really focus on what they're good at and, um, you know, let the community folks pick up some of the slack, but, of this whole point of the conversation, those community providers need to get educated and they need to get teed up to be able to accept those veterans when they come knocking on the door, to your point, because it's, it's the, the worst thing we can do, and, and, and you know this just as much as I know this, it is so hard to ask for help. It just is right. one of the hardest things that we'll ever do in our lives, and it doesn't matter how many times you've done it, it's still hard, that when you finally get in that door, if it is not good, you don't have a good experience, it's not effective, most likely that patient, client, consumer, whatever you want to call it, is not going to come back. And you probably have stopped them from ever getting mental health treatment again. Or if you if they go, it's that much harder. And not only them, but their veteran friends, too, because we listen to yeah. other veterans. And, 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 right. and if a veteran has a good experience with it, yeah, go to this person, I found this person, they're great. But if they had a bad experience, they don't say, I'm going to go go to someone else. They say, don't even bother because they don't know what they're doing and, and things like that. And so That's I, exactly right. I really think, and in, in, in the education piece, I believe, is critical um, to to really break down the stigma. And, and again, I say changing the way that we talk and think about veteran mental health, and I think Psych Armor is, uh, is doing exactly that. So uh, I... I congratulate you. I appreciate you and, and the organization. Um, it's just great. Oh, well, I feel the same way about you, and you're out there spreading um, things through your medium and your vehicle. So I'm really appreciative for what, what you do, and I'm appreciative that you had me on today. And, you know, I just always want to say, like, all the courses can be found at psycharmor.org. Yep. Um, and I know you mentioned that um, you'll put a link or a link or a, uh, to any of them. But, yeah, the art, we you register just – the registration is, I think you've done it, it's four questions maybe? Yeah. So it should not take more than 30 seconds. It used to be, we have third-party evaluators, and it used to be so long, and I finally just like, you know, just put my foot down and said enough already. It was We were losing so many people in that process, so it's super simple, and it's just purely for for kind of de-identified um, uh, metrics, which is kind of, you know, what population do you fall in and uh, – you, you know, your email address for security, and, and um, we send a newsletter out monthly so we don't spam anybody, um, which they can even get off of. But, uh, but yeah, it's a really easy, and then you can go on there, and you can take any course you want and watch them for a few seconds. You can watch them, all of them. It doesn't matter. Your knowledge library. is power. And, and, <laughs> uh, and, and Psych Armor is doing a great job about uh, spreading knowledge about veteran mental health. So, again, I I really appreciate you uh, coming on the show, uh, Marjorie. Is 
Um, is there a way if anybody wants to know more? I, I know that you're active on Twitter um, or, or social media. Uh, any social media links you like to throw out there? Absolutely. So I personally am asked for help. Um, F O R and uh, which I think we're Twitter friends. And Psych Armor is Psych Armor, P-S-Y-C-H-A-R-M-O-R. A lot of times people want to stick a U in there. Um, same thing, we have a Facebook page. We have a LinkedIn page. We just brought social media in-house. So, we have been, uh, so we've got some people now that in the office working full-time on it. So we're going to be even more active. We also not only, I mean, we really believe in being social. So we don't also just want to share what we're doing. We want to hear from, you know, from people and hear what they're doing so we can share stories and um, be, again, in that kind of translation business of information to the, to the public. So please, like, stay connected with us and and our, our, we run a, I didn't mention this, but we run a chat line and a, um, a phone line so that, you know, if anyone has any issues, it's, you know, predominantly civilian-facing, but, but we get veterans as well, and it's really more of a, you know, I'm having this issue or I'm a caregiver or, you know, um, I, we had one today about someone who um, was, their child was suicidal. So we, we run a, a support uh, feature and um, you can always reach out to us if you have questions or you want to know in your neighborhood who to be connected to or whatnot. We we got a whole clinical team that works on stuff. That's great. Now make sure that uh, all those links are in the show notes and uh, we'll get them out to you. Thank you very much uh, for joining us today, Marjorie. Thanks again for having me. Absolutely. You're listening to Headspace and Timing on the Change Your POV Podcast Network. Great conversation. Marjorie is another example of how a mental health professional who's not a veteran can develop the understanding needed to serve veterans and their families. We have some conversations about a lot of the things we've talked about before, the stigma against seeking help, how do we educate the community about the veteran experience, and how do we develop a greater awareness about veteran mental health. I really appreciate Marjorie's description about what happened at MCRD San Diego. Everyone from the CG on down sat down with a mental health professional for a short talk. No big deal, no stigma, everyone did it. For a lot of them, that's where it ended. But for an important group of them, it was a gateway to getting the help that they needed before things got out of hand. This is important, and it requires flexibility and openness to the process on both sides. I recall a time after my deployment to Iraq where my unit went to the gym during our post-deployment screening, and each of us were required to sit down with a mental health provider for about five minutes. I think I told the social worker that I'd be open to talking to somebody about marriage counseling. The guidance I got was, you should look into that. No resources, no referral, just agreement. Sounds like a good idea. My wife and I took it upon ourselves to do the research. Not everyone did that. I think Marjorie's example gives both the mental health provider and veterans a good example of the way it should be done. Make sure to join me next week when I have a conversation about another organization that's focusing on supporting veteran mental health and wellness in post-military life. Derek Abbey from the Travis Mannion Foundation and I have a conversation about what they're doing to build character in communities around the nation while providing purpose and meaning that's so important to veterans when they leave the service. I'd like to thank the Change Your POV Podcast Network for hosting this show and highlighting the critical importance of veteran mental health. We want to hear from you. You can reach out to me via email at duane at veteranmentalhealth.com. You can find me at Twitter at The Counseling Vet or head on over to Facebook and look for the Change Your POV Squad. You can find the show notes for this episode and all the episodes by going to VeteranMentalHealth.com or ChangeYourPOV.com. Sign up for updates on either or both so you don't miss another episode. 
While you're at it, check out the other great shows in the Change Your POV podcast network. The show about remembering our military history and reviving our warrior spirit, changing hearts and minds. The show about outdoor activities that us veterans love so much, Neophyte in the Woods. The show that helps us get going at the beginning of the week, Motivation Monday. And Attack Fridays, the show that brings you actionable tips, tricks, and coachable knowledge to help you make the best of your transition. While you're checking out the other shows, drop us a review in iTunes or whatever podcast platform you're listening to. The reviews really help spread the word about what we're doing. If you're looking for the total package for all the information you need to live the life you want after leaving the military, you found it. If you know of a buddy who's looking for the same info, share it with them so they can find it too. I want to thank Doc Todd for his permission to use his track, Not Alone, from his amazing album, Combat Medicine. Doc Todd is somebody who's trying to bring veteran mental health out of the darkness and into the light, and you can get the album by going to therealdoctod.com. Check it out, because remember, veterans, you're not alone. Ever. The struggle is real, found a piece and lost a soul. Eventually my drinking, it got out of control. There in darkness, I roam, struggling to find home. See, suddenly death didn't feel so alone. 22 a day, destination unknown. It could have been avoided if you picked up the phone. But now you're gone, so I guess all we get is the tone. Nothing but bone weeds, overgrown, pushing up stones. I've triumphed over enemies, co-created enemies. Broke out facilities that tried to put an end to me. R.I.P., I'd rather grind in tranquility. Authentic Tennessee, embrace my ability. in the sink take the needles out your arm and the gun away from your forehead it's time man you've been through enough pain stand up it's time to stand back up all my veterans man army marine corps navy air force coast guard get up you know
Are you looking for more ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military, but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes.